For quite a few weeks now, we've been uh, looking at the church as the community of God. And I'm sure you can all remember every particular different angle we've taken it from every week. You've just committed it all to memory. <laughs> yeah, that's, it. that's right. And, and so you can remember what, who talked on what last week? Simon. What did Simon talk about last week? Simon says, come on. What? Pardon? Loving. Yeah, I wasn't here, so I'm, I'm, you're having to tell me. And uh, it's, it's good you can remember at least one week away. Anyway, this week I want to talk about us being an involved community. An involved community. When, when I was a boy, living in Tanfield Lee, anybody know where Tanfield Lee is? He knows where Tanfield Lee is. Tanfield Lee uh, is a, a mining village in County Durham, uh, just down the hill from Stanley. And I, I was born there, grew up there, lived there till I was five, six. And, well, living there, many of the people in the village were involved with one another, at least to some extent. We lived in a council house, which was the last house in the village. And next door lived my uncle and auntie and their two adult children, who I called my Auntie Mary and my Uncle Arthur. And Auntie Mary and Uncle Arthur, Auntie Mary called me her little lamb. <laughs> that was nice. And, and Uncle Arthur... Uh, was a brilliant, brilliant musician, a piano teacher, uh, and, a, and very into technology. And, and he started building an electronic organ before I was born. And so I, I grew up with electronics. I lived virtually next door all the time. And these, these two people shaped my life, really, uh, until I was about six, which was great. In the village, most people never locked their doors, and people were free to knock on the door and walk straight into each other's homes. That was normal. The milkman, the postman, the butcher, the vegetable man used to come in their, their different forms of transport. Sometimes it was a horse and cart, sometimes it was a, a van, um, that sort of thing. But they would just pop in, say, oh, can I have a cup of tea? They'd even wander in and put the kettle on and make themselves a cup of tea in your home. That's how it was. The village had an Anglican church and two Methodist churches. There was only about 2,000 people lived in the village, and these Methodist church buildings between them would probably see every person in the village if everyone chosen to attend. It was a real community. As I said, it was a mining village, and the miners used to be a, a, a miners' institute, and, and the miners used to literally used to walk down the street to work dressed in their mining gear, and then come back, many of them not washed or anything, black faces, totally, totally covered in, 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 in coal dust, walking down the street on their way home. And you used to remember it. People used to chat and say hi, and it was a real community feel all around. We had a village shop run by a lady called Sadie. And I used to go to Sadie to get my ice cream every, every time I went. I always remember that. At least once a week, often, much more often, our home would be full of 10 to 15 people, aunties, uncles, cousins, brothers, sisters, and friends. They just dropped in. They gathered thought terrifies me now, but we loved it at the time, or I did as a child. People were involved in community in the village. I remember as a little boy of four being allowed to go around the streets of the village with the church choirs. They sang Christmas at carols at Christmas time, and people would come to the door and join in and gather together in groups, singing carols under, a, under the lamplight, which was actually just like a green bulb. It was the strangest light. I remember this green glow showing my age now. 
that was, that, was, that was my fond memories of life in a village till I was six. That was community. I loved every minute of it. Well, today, particularly in the UK, we can live next door to people and not even know their name. More and more today, people live in isolation, even in a crowd, people living all around them. There's much talk. We use the term community, but we talk about online communities. We do it by email or text. In fact, there's something on, on the news the other day about people communicate more by text than by words now. It's all thumbs. If you're a texter, young people, as your thumbs, you'll get arthritis before you're done. <laughs> That's not a prophecy. <laughs> we have now Christian TV where people are encouraged to see this as their church. And we can all do it in sweet isolation from one another. Well, when I'm talking about community, I'm talking about being involved with people, hands-on, face-to-face, close-up and personal and very real. That's what we mean by community. And I've got three points, as usual. Involved with God, involved with one another, and involved in society. Involved with God. God. God made us to be involved with Him, both personally and as a people. You see, God Himself is community, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One God, three persons. He's perfect within Himself. God is not lonely. And so after God... After God made the universe and this amazing planet, he, with all its diversity of life, he, he made mankind. You see, God's not lonely, but in his perfect community, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, he wants to share himself. He wants us to be involved. He wants us to have relationship with him and his perfection. So Genesis 1, 26, 27, then God said, let us... Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, let us make, in our, make man in our image, in our likeness. And let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over the livestock and over all the earth and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. God made men and women to know him and to live within his community up close and personal, to enjoy fellowship with him and relationship with him. He put Adam and Eve in a garden, all at the Garden of Eden. But the day came when they went their own way. They ate some fruit that he told them not to eat. It was forbidden fruit. They became independent of God, and sin entered the world. Let's read to you from Genesis 3. It's not on the screen, but it's verses 6 to 13. Because there's something to learn here. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and ate. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. The Lord God called the man, where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden, but I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. 
And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And the man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you've done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Straight away we see that sin breaks community. It brought separation, division between Adam and Eve and God. They hid from God. They were ashamed of their nakedness. And next we see that Adam immediately starts blaming Eve. It was her fault. Sound familiar? Sin does that. It brings shame and it causes us to want to hide from others, even God, and then blame each other for the problem. It separates us from God and people from people. This sin brought the judgment of God upon the earth. God made us for community with himself in his glorious, perfect trinity. But that which was, is broken and less than perfect cannot cope with the perfection of God. God cannot compromise his own perfection. He still loves us, but sin prevents us having fellowship and communion with God. And so separation between God and, God and man came about, and that's gone on through all history. So this morning, whoever you are, whatever your background, whether you become a Christian or not, you have been separated from God from birth. You were, you, when you were born, you were born separate from God. You were not complete. You did not have the relationship that should be yours in perfection. That's the condition of the whole world. Yet God's desire for relationship and community with us has never gone away. His love for us burns as strong as ever. And so God, we read in Scripture, God chose a people for himself. And into that people, at just the right time in human history, he sent his son the second person of the Trinity, to become, take upon himself humanity, to become a little baby. Jesus grew up into manhood. He lived a sinless life. He taught us and demonstrated the love of God and the kingdom of God. And then in his perfection went and hung on a cruel cross in our place. This is the gospel. He took upon himself all the sin, all the failure of humanity, the shame. Everything that brings separation between man and God, Jesus took at Calvary. Isn't that amazing? God intervened, and God did it, and he did it because he loves us. He died that we might be forgiven of our sin and shame through our faith in Jesus Christ, and so that our relationship with God can be restored, that we can come back into community with God, enjoy Him personally and corporately. John 3, 16, 17, for God so loved the world. He so loves us this morning. He so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Through Jesus, God has made a way for every single person on the planet 
to be washed clean of sin, to be made brand new, to be restored on the inside, to have a new nature, and to know sweet communion and fellowship with God. God wants us to be involved with him. And now we can each know God personally and intimately. And then together, as church, we can know him together in community. In fact, the only reason church exists, the only reason we can be a community together is because actually we share together the very life of God. Everyone who's a Christian here is born again of the Spirit of God. It's not that you tried to be better. It's not that you, you thought, I'm going to make myself, myself good enough to be right with God. You never could. But in His amazing grace, we believe on Jesus. We are born again. We're made brand new on the inside. We are changed. We are changed. And so we begin a, an adventure of developing relationship with God that goes on throughout our lives but on through eternity. This is the gospel. This is what the meaning of life is about. This is what God had for us in the first place. Nothing less will do. I wonder as a Christian, sometimes I just need to say to Christians really, are you tending your relationship with God? I don't mean that out of law, perish the thought, it's not about law, but there's a relationship to enjoy, to hear his voice, to have him direct our path, to have him answer our prayers, to, to be on this adventure of exploring a God who loves me more than I can ever understand. What joy is that? It's fantastic. It's what life's about. It's what brings meaning. It's, it's, being, it's living in community with the Godhead. And he says, come can be part of this. Jesus said we sit with him in heavenly places. We're part of it. We're not separate. We're close. We're involved with God. And, and that applies one-to-one, -one, but it f applies to us as a people. God's people here in Jubilee, called to purpose, involved with him, listening for his voice, letting him speak to us and direct our path as a people. What a privilege. What an adventure. Don't you think? Involved with God. I think it's great. I, I love it. It's amazing. I, I had this, this... I've been praying about a few things of late. I won't go into all the details right now. Um, but it's all tied up with the, the big prophetic story that brought Gene and I here and how God started to speak to us. And I wrote it all down. And then, then just in this last week, again... People I don't really know contacting me and just say, I feel, I feel God says this. It's as though God's just leading me and speaking into my life. Such an adventure. Such an adventure. I would encourage us all as Christian men and women to understand there's an adventure in, in, in community with God for each of us. Personally, to, to, to be able to know He cares about every detail of our lives. He's involved. He wants to lead us. He wants to direct our path. He does that through others. He does that through a word. And he does that with the prompting of the Holy Spirit. He whispers, whispers into us wonderful truths. To be involved with God, that's community. An involved community. Involved with God. God has amazing things for us 
as Jubilee, has promises for Teesside. It's not just Jubilee as well, other churches, MCC, others, St. Barnabas, other churches too. But together, we are the people of God in Teesside, and, and, and the promises are that we will see Teesside transformed by the gospel, nothing less. That's the adventure. Do you, do you invite your friends to come and join the adventure of Jubilee? I do, all the time. Everybody I know, do you want to come and join the adventure? Some have come, some are coming. Some said no. That's okay. I only want them to come if they feel God said it, but I'm inviting all my friends. Come and be part of this amazing adventure of what God's doing in Teesside. That comes out of community with him, out of relationship. God's community in Teesside, here for his glory. Isn't it a privilege? I love that word about destiny this morning. Where are you? Where are you going out? Oh, there you are. I, want, I love that word about destiny this morning. I just thought that there's like the promises of God over everybody's head. There's a destiny to fulfill. There's a song. It used to be, I, know, I have a destiny I know I shall fulfill. Do you remember that one? Anybody? Two. Okay. <laughs> perhaps we'll have to teach it again. Revive some of the old ones. But that sense of destiny, you see, every person who's born again has a destiny in God for eternity that is, brings meaning and completeness to the whole of existence. It's glorious. It's wonderful. And like, oh, thank you, Lord. We did nothing to earn it, but we're called to it. We're chosen for it, and we're given the spirit and the grace for it to enjoy it. I, I think it's great. Anyway, I need to press on. Involved with God, the next point is in, involved together, you see, because as his community, together, the church expresses his life within us in two ways. We're involved together, and we're involved in society. If you're full of the Holy Spirit, and I'm full of the Holy Spirit, and we together are the people of God, then we express that, his life within us, by inv being involved with one another and involved in society. So involved together. Being a church community is much more than attending church once on a Sunday. Much more. It's about each member playing their part, being involved as we share the very life of Christ together. It's expressed in what is called in the Bible, one anothering. You know, sometimes I think, I want to be involved, but I want to be involved according to what I like. I tell you what getting involved is about. It's about finding a job and doing it. It's about putting your hand to the plow. It's about getting your hands dirty, putting chairs out, being available, being a servant. That's getting involved. We're here together to be involved. And it's all about one anothering. Most of the pastoral care in a local church needs to be done by one anothering, where our lives are open and transparent and vulnerable with one another. Now, that can be risky, because none of us are perfect yet. But the phrase, one another or each other, is used 103 times in the New Testament, according to my computer. I didn't go through and count it. But if it's 103 times, then we must not ignore it. So here's just a few of the 103 one anotherings. John 13, 34, and 35. A new command, I give you love one another. 
So speaking to the people of God, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By all this, men will know you are my disciples if you love one another. Romans 12, verse 10. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Romans 12, 16. Live in harmony with one another. Romans 14, 13. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put a stumbling block or obstacle in your brother's way. Romans 15, 7. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Ephesians 4, 2. Be completely, I love the word completely, it's kind of all-encompassing, isn't it? Like, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Ephesians 4.32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Ephesians 5.21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Colossians 3.13, Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Hebrews 3.13, But encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. And 1 Peter 4.9, Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. How are you doing? All right. Yes, I know. There's, Hebrew, there's load. It's exactly the same. Absolutely. There's loads of them. There's, there's just loads and loads of them. I, I had to pick out, you know, uh, yeah, loads and loads of them. 103 of them if you want them. How are you doing? The question is not are they there, what are we doing with them? How are we getting on with the one anotherings? The last one I caught is the one I like offer hospitality one without grumbling. Anybody grumble? <laughs> you mean the people of God grumble? God, we need you. One anothering doesn't mean that everybody gets to know, fortunately, one anothering doesn't mean that everybody gets to know our business or everyone has a right to speak into our lives, but it does mean that we will be open and transparent with, each, with at least some people that God joins us to. It doesn't mean we should be telling each other what to do. We're not in control of one another, and there's no place at all for busybodies in the community of God's people. What it does mean is that we seek to grow in loving one another, in trusting one another, in serving one another, in being a blessing to one another. Consciously making, I choose. I choose to grow in these things. Jesus prayed for the church, for his church. In John 17, 22, speaking to, Jesus, speaking to the Father, he says, I have given them, that's us, the glory you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. The perfect community of the Godhead, Jesus is praying that we, the church, would have that same perfect unity, that same perfect community, and it would only be possible because we were joined to his community in heaven. This is an amazing 
oneness. It's about being involved together as we share the very life of Christ together. And the other way we express the indwelling life of Christ is to seek to bring and demonstrate the good news of the love of God to our society and to the whole world. And uh, I don't want to speak long on this, really. What I want to do is read Matthew 25. It will come up on the screen. It's verses uh, 31 to 46. Because it's great to be in community with God. It's great to be involved with God. And it's even good to be involved with one another. Isn't it, Raj? We actually love one another. I, I just love these guys. Just seriously. Just to share life, just to share heart, to be open and transparent. It's a privilege. High order privilege. It's not just words. It's real. It's, it's, it's like, here, this is who I am, and, and I know who you are, and, and it, we belong together. God's put us together for purpose. It's glorious. I love it. I love it. That's the church, you see. It's real. It's, 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 it's genuine. In it, you too. I, I, you know, I just, just it was such a blessing. Sorry, I'm embarrassing you now. This such a blessing to me because I know them and they know me and we're just part of this adventure together. It's a joy. And that's true of loads of you. We're joined together in the purposes of God. That's wonderful. So it's great to have a relationship with God and it's great to be involved together. I'm involved with God. I'm involved. But there's more. Because there's purpose. There's purpose for God's community on the earth. God so loved the world that he got involved in the world. He didn't just say, well, I love you, but you've blown it. No, he got involved to the point where he gave his whole life, his whole life, that we could be free. That's the sort of involvement God invites us now to have in society. His people. I want to read Matthew 25, uh, 31 to 46. This is Jesus speaking. He says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory, this is Jesus at the second coming, and Jesus is coming again. That's another preach, but we need to understand he is coming again. I don't know when, the Bible doesn't say when, but he is coming. It could be tomorrow. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory and all the nations will be gathered before him. And he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, a kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry... And you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in? Or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, 
You did it for me. You did for me. We'll carry on in a moment, but just whatever we do for the people around us in serving this world and this society, bringing hope to the hopeless, help to the helpless, whatever it is, we're doing it not just for Jesus, we're doing it to Jesus. He said, as, you need to see people as me. You need to understand this, as you serve this world that I died for, you are serving me. Verse 41, then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you, clothed me. you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. And there also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? And he will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. I don't know about you, but I always find this passage challenging. As I've prayed over it over the years, I, I've come to learn that our involvement in society needs to start wherever we are, wherever we find ourselves. The way to bring good news to our society, the good news of Jesus and the God who loves God who's paid the price that people may have relationship with him restored. The way we bring that good news to our society is to learn to serve it. To look for need and to meet it wherever we find ourselves. To learn to serve our neighbors and the people we work with gladly and freely with joy. As God's representatives, we need to demonstrate his love and mercy wherever we find ourselves. Now, obviously, we need to feed the hungry and house the homeless in organized ways, but the problem we have so often is we want to set up an organization. We want to set up a structure. And so we care for people there, but not there. That's, that's not what's being talked about. What's being talked about here is wherever we are, we are servants of society. It starts with our next-door neighbor. It may be washing a car. It may be mowing a lawn. But the principle of caring starts at the very basic things of life. It may be providing food when someone's ill. It's just being a servant. You see, we can set up a structure, and we set up an organization, and I'm nowhere despising those because we, we need them to get many things done, but we need to understand wherever we are is where our place of service is. So that could be in the workplace or in the school 
seems to be when Jean and I go on holiday. It's not a holiday anymore. <laughs> we find ourselves caring for people. You go to Turkey and people want to sit down and tell you their sin. And it tugs at the heartstrings because I, everything in me and in us is wanting to be there to serve them, to bless them, to care for them, to do them good. I can't explain it in any other way. And I can't seem to go anywhere now and not find there's people in need and people who need help and people who need support. The whole world's a mess, isn't it? Just look at the news. And we can huff and puff and tut and all the rest of it, but the bottom line is this. Every day you and I meet people face to face, hands on, who are desperate. They may put on a mask that says, I'm fine, but there's some desperate people in all facets of jobs, doing all sorts of things. And we are the people with the words of eternal life. We are the people who know the, good, the, the love of God. And we are the people who can literally give them a cup of water, a word of encouragement, just a hug, without strings. Because that's who we are. We're God people now. What we are called to flows from the community in heaven, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and it flows out into us and then through us to a lost and dying world. Does that make sense? And so we feed the hungry, we get involved. You know what, if we're, I, I've had someone sent me things, and it's harvest time, you must prepare, you must prepare Jubilee for huge growth, not just Jubilee, but they said they really felt a sense of urgency in their spirit, I'm thinking, oh my goodness. And we say, okay, we'll, we'll juggle a few things around a bit. And then God says, now, here's the first hundred. Now there's the next hundred. And you think, God, how do we do that? We start getting involved in society, in broken homes, in, in, in educational issues, in family breakdown, in all sorts of things. We need to have hearts that are prepared to serve, to get on our knees and wash feet, as it were, to care for people in their need. That is our calling. That's what the church is for, to get involved in society. We are in the world. We're not of the world, we're of heaven. But we are in the world for the glory of God. That's why we exist. I don't want that to sound heavy, because it's a privilege, but it's a challenge too. To me, I said, God, to serve like that, I need so much grace. So much grace. And he says, that's okay, I've got plenty. You see, the temptation is to serve those. Coming to Raj's talk of a couple of weeks ago, which was so good on the, um, the, the neighbor one. Uh, good Samaritan, that's the one. You see, the temptation is to serve those who we think deserve it. But what about serving those who don't deserve it? Those who are reaping what they've sown. Well, it's just as well, you know, that God didn't wait until I deserved help before he saved me. Romans 5, 8, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I don't have the right. We don't have the right to say, well, they deserve it. All we can say is, 
grace to you. Grace to the world. A love that is not conditional. Comes from the, heaven, the heavenly throne. It comes from our God. God, help us love like that. He wants us here in Jubilee to love like he loves. To love and care for the undeserving. I'm going to tell you a little story and then we're done. But when I, as you know, I grew up in the Salvation Army. And uh, when I was 14, 15, uh, in my uniform, we used to go around on a Friday night, round the, we're in Scotland, to go around the public houses selling the war cry. And, um, uh, well, that was the war cry, actually, but uh, we, we had our, I had my uniform on, and we'd go with the guitars, a bunch of us went, and um, I'd get to sing, which is really embarrassing, thinking about it. But this was in Scotland, this was in the outskirts of Glasgow, you know, nice and comfortable and middle class, you can imagine. The outskirts of Glasgow when it was rough and ready and, and there was sawdust on the floor and blood on the floor and all sorts and you'd go in thinking, oh my goodness. And I, I remember one day when this guy picks me, everybody scattered, they all ran away and they picked me up and he, said, he put me against the wall and he started saying, I'm going to kill you now. And I was like, oh. And all my friends disappeared quickly out the door. You know, somebody rescued me, it was okay. But the thing that comes to mind as I was preparing this was a, an event where we came out and there was two guys in the street fighting, smashing each other's face, blood pouring out. And two of the girls we were with, Salvation Army girls in their uniforms, had a hearts of compassion. They just dived right into the middle of these two guys who were smacking each other and started wiping blood off their faces and out their eyes. And the guys who were with them we were saying, don't. And they just got right into the thick of it, wiping blood off people who didn't deserve. It was their own fault. And I said, but we've got to express the love of God. I was like, I was, I was something I've never forgotten. It was one of those moments of like, oh, God, that's scary. But they did it. They did it. It's a great crowd of us young people, those 35 of us all together, formative years for me. Many of them went into full-time ministry. There were great times, but I tell you, to get involved in society means getting your hands dirty. It means going where people don't deserve help and helping them anyway, because that's the heart of God. I'm challenged by that. We do need God's grace so much, Lord so much. I want to read two verses of Psalm 139 as we finish. I'm going to read them. I think they're on the screen, actually, and then just sit quietly for a minute. If the band would come back. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. And see if there's any offensive way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Let's just sit in his presence for a bit. Band will come. I'll start playing some music. 
If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior and Lord, if you don't understand and have never experienced this relationship with God, which is what you were made for, then today you can be born again. Today you can know him. Today you can reach out to Jesus. Come and have a chat with us. Talk to the friend who brought you, however it is. But God loves you and longs to have a deep relationship with you. For others, others of us, maybe we're thinking bit convicted in a few areas of life. You know, there's no condemnation from God, but there's loads of grace. There's loads of grace. Whether that's with one another or our attitude to the world. I'm just going to ask if the, the guys will just play quietly. and I'm going to read this, these two verses again, and I want us to sit quietly and pray. close our eyes. It might be good to do that. Lord, this is our prayer today. Because, Lord, we we love you and you love us and we respond to your love to us. But, God, we want to be the people you want us to be. We want to be all we can be. We We want to fulfill our destiny and our calling and we are aware we're so weak and we need your grace. But Lord, I, I pray this. I pray you will search us, O oh God, and know our hearts. I pray you test us and know our anxious thoughts. And Lord, if there's any offensive way in us, then we ask for grace. We ask for mercy. We ask you You just come to us and do in us what we cannot do for ourselves and lead us in the way everlasting. Rest upon us, Holy Spirit. 